more than 200 accredited courses and more than 1,000 videos, the Police One Academy is a powerful online solution that provides department training programs with features that reduce time spent on records and policy management, credential tracking, and more. It is law enforcement training made simple and effective. For more information and to get a 30-day trial, visit www.policeoneacademy.com forward slash policing matters. Hello, and thank you for clicking, and thank you for listening to Policing Matters, the Police One Podcast. I'm Doug Wiling. Hey, I'm Jim Dudley. Jim, um, on the first of the year, January 1, 2019, an organization uh, called Blue Help, and more on that in a minute, uh, released a, a statement or press release, an announcement, uh, indicating that there were 157 uh, suicides, uh, police officers dying by suicide in 2018. Um, contrast that with 144 law enforcement officers who died in the line of duty. Uh, police officer suicide, generally speaking, was self-inflicted gunshot wound. Uh, law enforcement officers who have died in the line of duty die, yes, of course, of gunfire, but they also die of heart attack, automobile accident, struck by car, uh, a whole host and variety of other um, causes of death, all of which are tragic. But in my way of looking at the world, police officer dying by suicide is far more preventable than some of those other causes of death. Um, another, we could go on and on about the other preventable manners of death and spe specifically in the line of duty, but a disclaimer here, uh, I am a member of the board of Blue Help. I am also the person who wrote that press release. So I'm kind of deep in the weeds on this, and I feel very passionately about it. Uh, let's briefly discuss, I'm going to break some couple things down. In 2018, um, Texas, Pennsylvania each had seven officers die by suicide. New Jersey had six. Um, they were, one is too many, but 157 is way too many. Um, and I think that what we need to do is begin to really examine, and we've talked about this on the podcast before, examine the ways in which departments and peers can help officers who are approaching crisis. What are your thoughts on that? Well, it's a great topic to visit. I think the more attention we give to it, the more awareness we make um, for officers to be aware that we, we are our brother's keeper and we should keep an eye out and uh, look for the signs that may indicate that somebody's uh, in some sort of crisis, whether from on-duty related work or off-duty related work or just the internal or the external stressors that make uh, the job that much more difficult. Uh, my numbers that in my research in, in the topic, that my numbers are a little bit different and maybe because um, I, I got the January 3rd numbers, but from uh, Blue Help, it reports 159 officers. Yeah. So a couple, yeah. a couple but that, more. But that was, that was as of January 1. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So... Doing some research, looking at an old article, 2006, from PoliceOne.com, a really good uh, scientific, extensive survey into uh, police officer suicides, frequency and officer profiles. June 20th, 2006, uh, from Radford University, you had uh, Dr. Michael Amott and Nicole Stalnecker, and you know, it, it was it was interesting to read, but 
it was also disheartening in that the numbers are almost the same. Mm -hmm. So here we are 12 years later, what's different? Um, why haven't we made some serious impact on reducing the number of suicides? And, and I think there's a false um, perception out there that law enforcement suicide is much higher than uh, anyone else in society. And a couple of studies, including this one, show that, um, I'll, I'll quote this, law enforcement suicide rates were computed and compared by suicide rates in the general population. The best estimate of suicide in the law enforcement profession is 18.1 per 100,000. This figure is 52% greater than that of the population, but 26% lower than the appropriate comparison group of white males between the ages of 25 and 55. Thus, the notion that suicide rates are abnormally high in law enforcement was not supported by this data. Interesting. Um, I think that, that that perhaps may be true. I don't know if airline pilots or other people in high stress, um, you know, high risk um, occupations uh, are more or less likely to uh, die by suicide than law enforcement officers. Um, the The difficulty for me is that it has been for decades, long before I've gotten involved in law enforcement. Um, it's tough guy profession. You don't, you know, police are the helpers. They don't get help. Right. Um, they're reluctant to admit um, being hurt, injured, um, and mentally and physically. And and I think that that is one of the things that has led to, and whether or not the numbers are larger or smaller than any other profession, um, the, there being a real crisis in the profession. Because again, this is something that can be fixed. You know, it, it, it's, if, it's if it's predictable, it's preventable, as we've said many times. Mm -hmm. And persons in that, you know, in, in really high stress environments, and as you'd mentioned, with other challenges off duty, you know, difficulty with marriage, difficulty with finances, difficulty of crisis of of of, of faith uh, and here's the key, here's the kicker every police officer has access to a firearm right. and not every airline pilot does and not every coal miner does and not everyone in every profession does so there's um i think that it just points to a need to have a, a change in culture in terms of seeking help and allowing for it to be okay to get help i mean you don't there shouldn't be a penalty for going to your lieutenant and saying, hey, boss, I, I really need to talk to somebody. I've got something on my mind. Mm -hmm. it sh there shouldn't be that. Sh that shouldn't be preventing someone from making sergeant down the road. Right. 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 So, I mean, there shouldn't be a stigma of wanting to get help. And in fact, there should be a culture of we're in the, in every other aspect of law enforcement. It's we're brothers and sisters. We're in this together. Mm hmm. In this one, it seems to be something of a disconnect. What are your What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think I think there are there are a couple of factors, some key factors, and you hit on one: the fact that the gun is a regular part of the profession, on and off duty, that it is a requirement of the job. So the access to firearms, and I know I'm going to get hated on by by some <laughs> listeners who say, "Hey, here we here you're beating the the gun control drum." I'm not. I'm saying it is a it is essential to have a gun on and off duty if you're a law enforcement officer. I, I just also say that, that, that you know, the suicide has been coined as a 
long-term solution to a short-term mm-hmm. problem. And if you have a gun, you have that much accessibility to carry out the deed rather than uh, some other heinous uh, way of doing uh, what you plan on doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think also the perceptions and the expectations of the public weigh heavily on, on law enforcement officers. Um, when you see a critical incident, you see... Uh, you hear the criticism. Why didn't the police do this? Why didn't they act quicker? Why didn't they slow it down? Why didn't they shoot him in the arm, the leg, the gun out of the hand, all those things. So there's that stress that's that's a constant stress and the expectations and um, the, the social media, the hating on police. I mean, that, that's got to be grating. You can't you can't be enjoying the fact that there are a lot of people who think that about you. And then I, I'd say the, the third thing that is most uncommon uh, outside of the profession is the fact that the daily exposure, maybe not daily, but the routine exposure to traumatic events and trauma and people screaming and people bleeding and people dying or people dead. That is not normal. And repetitive exposure to that has got to have some consequences. And I think we see it. So, okay, we're not the leader in in suicides by profession, but it's too high. It's way too high. And you're right. uh, There shouldn't be a stigma attached. There's got to be some sort of um, policy or legislation, though, that allows officers to be assured that they will uh, have access to to treatment or counseling without the the idea that they might be disarmed or that they may lose their role in the profession. I think that's one of the biggest fears, uh, one of the biggest um, uh, roadblocks in officers seeking help is that it. Like I said, you have to carry a gun. Mm-hmm. If you're having some mental crisis, they're probably going to take the gun. Not in all cases, but if they do, I think that's that's a big fear to people who identify the profession as, as part of them. Right, yeah. Um, there are agencies that do it right. And I think that, that we in closing, kind of we winding down here, um, it can be done correctly. And it can, there are programs and there are policies and there are model policies and there are you know, ways in which you can reach out, whether you're a law enforcement leader or you're someone in in the, you know, in the street patrol and you want to make a change in your profession, you can reach out to folks like Blue Help. Um, there are a variety of other places uh, that <clears throat> provide resources where this is what it looks like when you do it right. And, um, you know, in, finally, in closing here, I just want to make sure that uh, everyone knows that uh, if you have... Any thoughts of hurting yourself, um, please reach out to Blue Help or to um, the National Law Enforcement uh, uh, or the, uh, the National Suicide Prevention Hotline. All of these resources are available online at bluehelp.com. Um, they're on Police One. Uh, if you are approaching a place where you're looking into darkness, uh, know that you're not alone and that someone is there to help you. Jim, your final thoughts? Um, my my final thoughts are that uh, legitimate, recognized professionals can provide the most help. That I did a, an article recently on Police One about peer support systems. I still believe in peer support systems. 
to a point. Uh, it was in the American Society of Evidence-Based Policing that came out with uh, an article that said that peer support is fine after critical incidents, post-critical incident briefings. There may actually be some harm caused by peer-to-peer um, supporting groups uh, in discussion of a critical incident. So uh, identify a problem early on and refer them out to professionals right away. Let the people with the alphabets after their name mm-hmm. take over from there and and chart an appropriate course of action for the individual. I agree. Uh, last year was 157. I'd like to see that number go down significantly this year. And I think that in 2019, we can make it happen. We can actually begin to affect real change in this particular crisis in law enforcement. Thanks again for listening. Uh, Come back again next week when we're going to have something a lot lighter to talk about.